Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Today, I wanted to talk to you about my progress with working in the stock video market. Super interesting stuff. I'm sure everybody has, uh, if they're interested in stock video, they probably got more experience in it than I do. But as uh, someone who's just kind of more recently started, I've been trying to upload a lot of elements to a couple stock photography and stock video websites. I'm having a complication though, because really it seems like a lot of the staffs of these locations are, are quite slow to jump on the opportunity to add more video to their services. Of course, they say that they will, and it probably will happen, but I guess specifically what I mean is that there, there doesn't seem to be an automated approval process. So even once you list some of these things out, like currently I've been waiting about four and a half weeks for someone, some person physically in an office at this location, which is probably a very small company really in, in, in actuality uh, for some person in that department to review the content and then make contact with that person as, as they onboard them into the system of, of selling stock video in the marketplace or whatever that is. So it's kind of interesting learning about that a little bit, but it's definitely a little hiccup in the process of learning how to organize stock video onto the marketplace. So I don't know, something to point out and to consider. Uh, thanks a lot for listening to this Billy Newman photo flash briefing. My name is Billy Newman. You can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com or on Instagram. I bet you can find it maybe even on my website. Wow. So many opportunities. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye. You can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. How's it going? Thanks a lot for tuning in to this episode. I'm uh, camping up on some national forest land right now, up on Cold Creek in an area uh, kind of outside of where I'm living in Oregon. And it's going pretty well. We're having a good day. I'm just here by myself, so I'm doing a solo camping trip. It's the first uh, solo night out I've done this year, and I'm excited to be doing it. I think it's going to be kind of cool. It's been fun so far, too. It's been uh, it's been pretty mellow. I'm out here at my campsite. I got my recording gear kind of rigged up, and I'm uh, at the tailgate of my truck. I made a fire earlier in the fire ring, and it's a pretty clear night, pretty mellow weather seems kind of cold up here it's sort of the mountains and i think it's uh close-ish to the snow level but still a few uh it's still a bit above me i drove up to it earlier so earlier when i was coming in i left at about noon today and i took off and drove out of town up into the forest and then up kind of uh on this meandering forest service road and you'd think right now that uh you know maybe a lot of stuff would be empty or, or you know not in a lot of use but really when I got out here I noticed a good bit of traffic it's a nice day it's May it's May 6th so I bet people are kind of getting out and, and just kind of given the environment that we're in right now where uh, people don't get to or you know that are just kind of stuck at home or they don't, they're not at work or something they're probably the for the first time you know a lot of free time for a lot of these people too so it seems like this area out here as soon as I got to the, the region that you could camp uh, it was full of campers I was noticing that when I was coming up. So there's an area where I think you have to go in 17 miles up the road before you hit the area where you can begin uh, just camping on the side of the road. And I think that's that's probably the spot where the National Forest Land begins. And before that, I think you're in a region 
of BLM land that's structured out below there as you get kind of closer down toward the highway. And so this further out made it through the BLM land. That's, uh, I guess there's no camping. I think you can do like a lot of day use area stuff out there. A couple campgrounds I passed, just sort of like forest service campgrounds or BLM campgrounds, but sort of a more organized pull out with the bathroom. Those were closed. Uh, or, you know, there was like, I think one of them, at least I saw the picnic area had remained open for day use stuff. But, that was, you know, you just kind of walk down to the river or something. But there was a number of people out by the lake earlier down at the area I was uh, lower down on the mountainside. And then as I kind of had uh, come up here into the hills, most of this road had been paved. So it's a pretty commonly used road. And I think it, I think it goes pretty well. I think it goes all the way through. So if it were clear, you could get from here or from the side that I was on. I guess it would be kind of the south, the southwest side to the northeast side of the corner of the forest and kind of pop out on the other side of the highway. And when I was driving through earlier, I'd, I'd uh, gone just a bit further than where I am now. And I traveled up uphill a bit more, and it kind of started getting windy. And then I started noticing uh, a little bit of snow in the shadier spots, the the north-facing slopes and stuff. And then after a little bit further, God, it was pretty crazy. It was it was you know probably a couple I don't know it, was, it must have been a couple hundred downed trees that had come come down through the road, and so the truck had come through so far, uh, and just cut out a small route. You know, it just cut out maybe eight feet of the tree there, so you could get. A vehicle through. It must have been more than that, but it was just enough to kind of squeeze a truck through. But really, the the posts of the logs are still just kind of sticking out, strewn across like toothpicks. What was that like pickup sticks game that you could play? It was kind of like that when they were just kind of like all stack up on each other. But yeah, they're just kind of laid out over each other uh, all the way up this road. And I had, to, I had to go over or go under a couple low bridges too. You know, where you, you kind of have to like skirt around to the side that you know the tree was still just hung all the way across the road it hadn't been cut down i think it was too high i'm not even sure if it was a forest service truck that did some of this seems like it must have been given the effort but it just seems like they they just started or they haven't really got around to finishing the work i don't know maybe maybe the snow had just melted up at that high of an elevation but as i had gotten just a little bit further up the way um i saw i saw like the, the road was just packed out in snow and there was a couple tire tracks that had gone in about four feet and then backed out and twisted around and and then I guess come back the other way. So uh, it seemed like I'd seen a couple cars come from that way, and I guess they had just turned around before I did, you know. Uh, but it was good. I, I traveled all the way up there and checked out a couple spots. Oh man, it was uh, there was a spot uh, where there was there's this man. I I would hate to have to be the person or the engineering crew that was putting in bridges out in these re- really rural areas. I look at some of these engineering projects, you know, just like steep, steep cliff sides, really. And then they have to reinforce this wall and then build like a bridge out over it too. But there's this area that I was passing in. It must have been a couple years ago or whenever it was. But they built a new bridge since. But the old bridge, the bridge that used to be there for years, I guess had been washed out in a snowstorm or a flood out. And it's only, you know, 100 yards down the the creekway there. And you just see this, this giant, well, not giant, you know, a very large, probably 75-foot uh, bridge structure that was supposed to cut cut you across this creek uh, is just kind of laying out over the rocks down river, and you go, "Whoa, hey, there's a bridge that was washed out over there." So it's a trip. But I've seen a few of those things out here in some of these spots of uh, of the you know just these rural areas where things get washed out. And it takes a couple couple years for them to kind of reestablish whatever it was over there. So I don't know, but it was cool. I took a 
took a couple photos of it. I've been trying to take some photos of this creek area here, and it's cool. There's a lot of uh, a lot of nice river rock and stuff at the base of it, and a lot of fresh snow melt too. So the water looks really really green, or you know, just kind of that pure kind of emerald and and aqua blue look that you can get to some of this mountain water that's up here in the Cascades. Really pretty, really fresh, really crisp kind of a uh, kind of area. Uh, I noticed though. Um, this region, as opposed to others, is uh, maybe a little drier in its uh, its kind of forested climate. How is that? See, I'm in the area that should be pretty mossy and stuff, so maybe I'm not sure what I'm talking about. It's interesting how there's just different regions of the, the environment as you kind of go through uh, areas of Oregon. But uh, even though this is a, a pretty forested area, some of these areas real near here are real lush and uh, wet and or they just have you know kind of a lot a lot going on in that manner this is really a little bit more arid of an area but it's a nice forest area it's uh it's a big area too i think just a ways up there's a a wilderness area and a couple trailheads that'd be cool but i bet they're kind of snowed in now given the elevations so we'll see if uh all my plans come together but as it was for the most part it was to uh to travel out and to try and get some some photo stuff done some photo work and I'm, I'm trying to do uh more on the side of uh you know just kind of like creating stuff that I'm really interested or you know like the photos that I really want to get to I'm going to try and put those together and then kind of put those out as you know little publishing pieces and stuff here and there but You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it if you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. Uh, so I worked with those film bodies for a while. Then I, uh, I tried to switch out and I bought... Uh, an, a Sony A7R, which was really interesting. I was I was really interested in what Sony was doing with the mirrorless systems that they're creating, those uh, the interchangeable lens cameras that are out. Uh, so I, I used uh, I used a Sony camera at work to do a bunch of the production photography that I was doing, and then on top of that, I bought uh, the the Sony A7R to work with at home and work with on all the landscape stuff, and that was great. It was uh, you know it's a 36 megapixel camera, which is you know mind blowing and astonishing when you think in comparison to the 4.2 megapixels I was working with with the Nikon D2H. So it was awesome to kind of get that expansion, you know, when working with digital systems. Um, and I love doing that. Uh, but there's some limitations to the A7R line, like the original A7R. I liked that camera, and I, I probably shoot with something like that again. It kind of reminded me more of like the Leica model of camera, or it seemed more like a rangefinder kind of camera, the way that it was built, the, the kind of small structure of it and the way that it was designed. It seemed like uh, like it wasn't quite a full DSLR replacement at the time. And I think that's not what they were really aiming for by the design of it and you know by the, the options and by the, the mechanisms of the camera that, and the way that it worked. It seemed like it was kind of supposed to sort of be a, a camera sort of to the side of your professional camera if you're if you're doing professional uh work like it, it was really difficult we shot a couple of weddings with it 
made some beautiful photographs with it, had some great lenses that I worked with, but there was a lot of things that I was really lacking on. I think I talked about that in earlier episodes of this podcast too, where there were, there would just be problems with the autofocus where it was great for landscape stuff, really slow, uh, you know, stuff where you'd have your camera on your tripod and you, you know, spend some time trying to set the shutter, uh, trying to set up the focal length of the lens and having time to focus the image in a way that we you know worked out all right. All of those features really worked out really well, but if you wanted to go through and in a pretty short amount of time hammer out a couple hundred frames that were all that you know you'd all want to be in focus or you'd all want to be uh, you know pretty functional raw images, it, it just had a harder time getting that sort of stuff done. And the way that the buttons were laid out, and the way that the menu was laid out, you didn't really have the ability to to kind of reach for and grab at those sort of professional and necessary photography feature as quickly as as quickly as you would want to so i learned a lot by working with it It it's great to use i'd probably want a camera like that again and especially the the a7r2 or the a7 ii and the a7s and now the a7r3 all of those and the a9 gosh all of those newer sony line mirrorless cameras have a lot of interesting features and they they've also i think tried to directly target some of those limitations that the first a7 a7r line had with them so i think uh, now there's uh, way more dynamic video features way more dynamic auto-focusing systems in it that are, I think, quite a bit better. But I still hear there's some seek problems. That's what I had, is that, you know, you'd go to focus the image, and then the autofocus point would just seek forever. It wouldn't grab onto the thing that you needed it to. And uh, and then when you take the photograph, you'd have a blackout, because like, it's, it's a digital representation of the image in the viewfinder instead of a through-the-lens, single-lens reflex-style uh, view of it. You would lose sight of the photograph that you were taking, and then if you were trying to hammer uh, a few frames all at once, it would just it would just stay black that whole time, you know, because it was about a second to process, and then you would try and take maybe two or three frames a second, so you just wouldn't see anything the whole time that you were trying to get the image. And that's where I was noticing that uh, that, that kind of digital model wasn't really what I wanted at the time. Now, in the A9, I think there's like a whole whole feature system that sort of eliminates that whole problem, and now there's just like a blinking band that kind of pops in yellow so that you know that you're taking a frame right then, but it never really loses or goes blackout. Uh, but I was noticing that, you know, with that, I was like, oh, well, I really liked the stuff that I was doing with film, you know, it was just way more analog and where you could just kind of look right at what you were taking and you could really focus in on the expression and, and the moment that you're capturing in the photograph. And that way you could be more selective about the way that you were taking the photograph. So I wanted to kind of move back toward the DSLR system anyway, and I wanted uh, sort of a, a, I guess, like a more professional feature set where it was weather sealed or where it was, you know, set up where you could hammer out a lot of frames on it for work, uh, you know, all the time. And you would just know that it would work all the time. Also, also in addition, the Sony cameras had sort of some issues with the, the battery system that they used on those first couple models. It was pretty small. Or it, it was, and, and the camera was kind of power intensive because everything was always running a screen, either on the back of the screen for the viewfinder, or, or pardon me, for the screen or for the the viewfinder itself that you look through with your eye. That was always like a, a screen that was running, and so it would run through your battery pretty quickly. And it was kind of an anemic battery system. I think there's a lot of reviews that sort of mention that same problem with it all the time. That it was just sort of an issue that people would run into, especially people that were trying to work. A professional job, you know, if you, if you wanted to work with a camera for a whole day, you would just run into a lot of problems, and you'd have to have a lot of batteries to kind of run through it. Um, and so I liked it 
for a lot of stuff that I did, it worked really well. But but overall, it wasn't really a camera system that I was able to use for for some of the jobs that I was being asked to do. And so that was kind of why, well, okay, if I need to make all this, or if I'm going to try and make some money doing photography, then I'm going to have to switch over to something that I can kind of use more as a tool all the time. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there. Some stuff on the homepage. Some good links to other other outbound sources. Some, some links to books. Some links to some podcasts. Links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.